Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 66 of season three of Brody Sports Talk. My name is Sean Morgan. I am joined by two of the most excited to be here, exhilarating to listen to, and just simply spectacular to look at hosts. Uh, Caleb Walgren, Derek Rusnick, how you doing, guys? It's a great day. Let's talk some football. I'm glad to be with you, boys. You know, I uh, it's this weird, last right? Week, Derek. One of the things that I've noticed as this is our, um, you know, this is the first episode that we're recording this week with all of us together. Uh, every time that the Eagles do poorly during a weekend, <laughs> Arsenal Football Club has a fantastic weekend. It's, it's always seems to be kind of the case where things never really coincide with the, the way I would like them to. One of these days, I would like to be happy from the start of the weekend to the end of it in regards to sports stuff. But, you know, I don't think that's, I don't think that's in the cards for me. I don't think that's, I don't think it's my destiny. Well, uh, we know why we're here. We're here to talk power rankings. Oh yeah. Uh, it is our week three edition of our Brody sports talk NFL power rankings. If you are not familiar with what power rankings are, one, it's kind of a weird episode to tune into in the middle of the se- well, not really middle of the season, but middle of the early part of the season. Uh, but let me go ahead and do my spiel anyway. So what we do is we take all 32 NFL teams and we rank them 1 through 32, uh, going across division, across conference, uh, trying to gauge how all of these teams match up relative to one another on one big stack ranking. Uh, We separate everything out a little bit differently than a lot of other power rankings that you'll read. Uh, We separate them into four tiers, which we uh, have assigned based on how we look at those teams relative to one another. Uh, So at the beginning, our teams one through eight are our playoff tier. These are teams that as of right now look like they are locks to make the playoffs. We have our aspiring tier. Uh, which is the next batch of eight. These are teams that have playoff aspirations, and a good portion of them will likely make the playoffs, but they may not be as surefire of a deal as the ones at the top. Uh, The next batch of eight are our wavering tier. Uh, These are teams that could be in the playoff hunt, but there are a couple of different things that are kind of keeping them potentially out of it, whether it's you know maybe an imbalanced offense, a weak defense, uh, a tough division, injuries, whatever the case is. They are on the cusp of being relevant, but not quite there. And finally, our bottom eight teams. This is our basement tier. These are teams that, as it stands right now, have no chance, no hopes, no dreams of playoff glory this season. So let's get to our playoff tier. Coming in at number one for the first time on our power rankings this season, the Los Angeles Rams. Dropping down to number two, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Coming in at three, Buffalo Bills. Four, Cleveland Browns. Five, Arizona Cardinals. Six, Las Vegas Raiders. Seven, welcome back to the playoff tier, Green Bay Packers. And finally, coming in at number eight, we have the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, So I do have to say that... uh, Good portion of these teams were not in our playoff tier uh, to start the season. Oh, how things change very rapidly and very quickly. One of those teams this is a team that we were relatively high on, but still tentative, uh, were the Chargers. And the Chargers are now 2-1 and one off the back of a win that, if you look at their schedule on paper, this was going to be their toughest game of the season. 
and you know their offense shined. Uh, Herbert, 281 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, you know, people are saying that he's the he's the next great AFC quarterback, and uh, I'm still happy that I pegged him to be the. Uh, you know, the, the, to win a nice little shiny trophy this season. Uh, Mike Williams, huge game. Uh, Chargers defense forced multiple turnovers. So a lot of things have really clicked for them, you know, this season. And, you know, on the back of the Cowboys two and one start, as well as, you know, a tough, like competitive game against the Bucks, that loss, it's not really a quality loss, but it looks a little more explainable. So for, uh, and I'll start with you, Caleb. What component of this Chargers team has been the most impressive during this three-game stretch? I really think that when it comes down to it, what I have really been impressed with has been the defense of the Chargers. I think that, you know, and that's what you should expect. Brandon Staley came over from the Rams having the lowest, you know, giving up the least amount of points last year in the league. And in three games, they gave up 16 to Washington. Uh, I believe it's just over 20 or at 20 to Dallas. And then 24 to the Chiefs. They're forcing turnovers. They're creating chaos in the backfield. That defense, and I would probably say especially their secondary, has looked really good in the early part of the season. So I'm really excited to see kind of how that continues for them, as it is a very difficult division and it's going to be a long season but one thing that you can always hang your hat on is defense and i'm excited to see how he continues to mold that because it's only been three games Mm -hmm. no i i concur uh derek any thoughts yeah i'm i'm a big fan of herbert um and what he's doing this season um i gave him um i mean yeah he's he's a great great player but with a new coach i with a new offensive type of uh of scheme i assumed he was not going to flourish as well as he he did um i would i would like the chargers to or i I would actually like the other three teams in the afc west to go to other divisions just so the broncos have some chance of winning something or making a playoff because uh, the afc west is just four killers and I am I really just want the Broncos to make the playoffs this year and these uh these west divisions they're just there's something else this season uh I think the probably the I I like all of your guys's answers um and it's funny that we actually all came up with three different things um for me it's the trio of Allen Williams and Eckler I think that really enables uh, Justin Herbert to do everything it is that he wants to do. Uh, Eckler is fantastic um, at you know catching out of the backfield, gives that offense a lot of diversity, and in its attack, Williams has emerged as a you know possible number one, and Allen has been just as reliable as he's ever been, and it's a matter of giving you know your young quarterback enough tools to spread the ball around ball around safely and confidently because you see with a lot of other teams that have younger quarterbacks they tend to tunnel vision and lock into whoever is you know the most reliable at the time when you have multiple tools at your disposal it makes those quarterbacks that are on the cusp of being you know elite 
Um, it, it puts them over the edge. It allows them to showcase their tools, their decision-making, their ability to respond to adversity in difficult situations. And, you know, this was a, you know, something against the Chiefs where they're going, you know, at Arrowhead up against a team that is a perennial Super Bowl contender. Uh, you have to come from behind in the fourth quarter. You're... You know, you're doing well, like you're doing exceptionally well to stay in the game. And both offensively and defensively, they did everything that they needed. Like I said, I, I really feel like everything <laughs> that all three of us have talked about uh, have, you know, really made the difference. Let's go ahead and let's move on to the aspiring tier. Again, teams 9 through 16. Uh, coming in at number 9, the Baltimore Ravens, 10, San Francisco 49ers, 11, Kansas City Chiefs, 12, Carolina Panthers, 13, Denver Broncos, 14, Dallas Cowboys, 15, Tennessee Titans, and then rounding it out at number 16, the New Orleans Saints. Now, it's kind of weird that we have two, you know, 3 0 teams outside of the playoff tier, um, but that just kind of shows, uh, I would say, what surprises we've seen. Uh, so I want to talk about the Broncos. I'm sure that, Derek, I'm going to go to you first because I, I want to hear your answer the most. Um, so they've looked sensational on defense. Teddy Bridgewater is getting some of these deep ball statistics that people didn't think were going to be possible. Uh, but your guys' opponents are 0 9. Uh, and they've looked, you know, th there's a reason that they're 0-9. They've looked listless and just without a hope and a prayer in all of their other games. Uh, you guys are hosting the 2-1 Ravens on the back of a, you know, crazy game-winning kick. Uh, now, you guys have only surrendered 128 yards rushing in three games. You're going up against the best rushing attack, arguably most diverse rushing attack um, over the last couple of years in the NFL, even if they aren't necessarily leading right now. Uh, this is always what they're known for. Now, does a win here legitimize the Broncos as a contender, in your opinion? Because you've actually consistently rated them low. So I think you've looked at some of these opening games with the same level of apprehension that, you know, the rest of us have. It's, hey, you're, you know, you're basically a, a flat track bully here. So do you think this uh, a win over the Ravens it doesn't necessarily need to be decisive or confident, but just simply beating a team that at least has a winning record, does that legitimize the Broncos, or do we still need to see more before you would put the Broncos in that camp? So I have a plus three uh, mindset with the Broncos. The uh, I, I think if they lose by three, that it's still a quote-unquote moral victory in my mind um, with an actual good team that's out there um there are 32 teams in this uh in the nfl and um they all have uh players that are being paid to play the game of football uh, the giants even though they have been bad for a while um you have won a super bowl recently and the uh, the jags are paying for people in uniforms so I will at least say that uh, you know, these are professional teams. Mm -hmm. um, you can look past a, a team and be like, okay, yeah, we, we've we, first three weeks. Oh, we have to look at week four. We have to start preparing for the Ravens. And a lot of time, you can get that uh, that dull game where it's like, oh, uh, we just we surrendered a last second field goal, or they threw a, a deep pass over the middle and. Uh, we lost the game that way. So the fact that they have been decisive victories where you've beaten the teams that you're supposed to beat, good job, let's 
let's move on to the next. Um, so for me, if they, if they beat the the Ravens by one, I'm taking it as a as a oh this team is much better than I give them credit for. If they lose by three, I'm going to take them as they're as good as I thought they were. And if they get blown out, well, I love Teddy Bridgewater, and I still think he's the quarterback that uh, that we need. So uh, I, I have talked about my Broncos enough. Caleb, tell me where I'm wrong. I really think that whether they win or lose, they've already come out and impressed. And while, yes, the level of competition has not been seen as the highest in the NFL, I think that we're talking about a team that has shown up and at least has had a different mindset than we may have seen from Broncos teams in prior years. You know, it's one thing to win a game. You can win a game by one point. You can win a game by 30 points. At the end of the day, a win is a win, and that's what they look at in the in the column. All these games, like you said, it's not like they're struggling to put away the Giants or the Jaguars, which were both road op- road games on the opener. Uh, they had the Jets come to their place and they shut them out. I mean, 26 to nothing. Now, the Jets may be the Jets and uh, they don't look good, but I do think that the Broncos made them look the worst. You know, if you think about another 3-0 team that's in the same tier here, the Panthers... They gave up two touchdowns to the Jets in Carolina. They only won that game by five. Jets Broncos is now. Is that somewhat of a difference from week one to week three? Yeah, possibly. I'm not going to sit here and say that everything is written in stone or that all the games are the same. But I also think that Broncos. A consistent running attack with Gordon and Williams. They trust both of them. Even though Williams had a bad fumble near the goal line this past week. Irritating me, Javante Williams. And but that, that defense has looked really later. good. And I think that in general it's gonna come down to the defense. I'm really excited to see if they bring like Justin Simmons into the box as another person to help target uh Lamar Jackson. Mark Jackson looked really uncomfortable against Detroit on Sunday. And I think that uh, there was a potential blueprint from Dan Campbell that was given out (laughs) on how to attack that Ravens offense. So uh, without repeating anything that you guys have said, what's really impressed me most about the Broncos, it's kind of what you were hinting at, Caleb, is that they put away these teams that were, you know, on paper, easier wins. I think that's really the difference maker between teams that want to be contenders and teams that end up being pretenders. It's really easy to have a good record against subpar competition. Uh, We saw that with the way like the Bears opened the season last year where they were kind of in that same boat where it's like, okay, who did you beat? And a lot of them were just really just weak, weak wins. And even though they were stringing them together, you really couldn't validate them too much. I mean, these are three back-to-back-to-back double-digit-plus wins with two of them on the road and one of them being a shutout. As Derek said, these are guys who are getting paid big money to play football professionally. So even though 
you know, as much as, you know, or Meyer said, these 32 Alabamas, right? Well, maybe, you know, 31 Alabamas in a Mississippi state. Uh, but, you know, still, it's a it's a matter of these are the best teams and the Broncos are, you know, getting the job done when it counts and making sure that they are not giving up easy points. They are not, you know, getting these, just, you know, barely their victories over teams that good teams put away, good teams deal with. So that's really what's impressive. And I actually think a, a win over the Ravens, I mean, considering that their next three games, Steelers, who have kind of taken a, a bit of a backseat, uh, the Raiders and the Browns, um, you know, so basically the Ravens are on the cusp of, you know, making the playoff tier. And then they have the Raiders and the Browns in the playoff tier. I think we do answer a lot of questions, but I still would consider a win over the Ravens to solidify the Broncos as a surprise contender uh, in a very, very stacked division. Uh, let's go ahead and let's move on uh, to the wavering tier. These are teams 17 through 24. <clears throat> Coming in at 17, the Cincinnati Bengals, 18, the Seattle Seahawks, 19, New England Patriots, 20, Philadelphia Eagles, 21, Pittsburgh Steelers, 22, Minnesota Vikings, 23, Miami Dolphins, and rounding out the wavering tier at 24, we have Washington football team. Now, one of the things that really interests me here. Right, and so we look back. We've got, like I said, the uh, the Browns coming in at four, Ravens coming in uh, at number nine. So now we have the Bengals at seventeen, and we have the Steelers at twenty-one. I believe this is probably the first time, uh, as far as us doing the power rankings, that we've had the Steelers as the lowest team in their division. Uh, they have, after beating the Bills, they have fallen off a very, very early cliff. Uh, you know, in these losses to the Raiders and the Bengals, two teams that on paper they were favored probably to beat uh, at the beginning of the season, Ben Roethlisberger looks like the oldest quarterback in the NFL. Like, he looks like his body is made of of rust and despair. <laughs> Uh, he is immobile. He his decision making just simply he, he can't really rely, I think, on his body as much, and that's impacting his decision making. Now, in hindsight, I think you could actually look at the Bills game and look at this offense. If they didn't have that blocked punt, they could very well be zero and three. What do you think the solution is for the Steelers to turn it around this season, um, if there is one? Uh, I'll actually talk about this one first and then I want to get your guys' opinion on it. Uh, so I think that really for for them to turn the season around, one, I don't know if that's going to be super easy. Uh, defensively, they've been okay, but the problem with any defense that is good is that they need to make sure they're on the field for the appropriate amount of time. And that's very difficult if you have drive stall because of poor quarterback play. I don't know if, if Benching Big Ben is necessarily the right call right now. It could very well become the answer here in a bit. Um, but I think they, you know, the increased involvement of Najee Harris uh, is crucial. If you look at the number of snaps that he's taken, a number of uh, times he's ran the ball uh, relative to other RB number ones in the NFL, I think he's like top two or top three. It's something like like quite up there. So he's getting his fair share. And I think that we need to see a 
big performance out of him um, kind of consecutively. And I think that will actually allow the Steelers to maybe crawl a bit out of the hole that they're in. But, you know, one of the things that we do need to look at is how well the other teams in this division are doing. The Bengals have been a bit of a surprise. The Browns are as good as a lot of people thought they would be. And the Ravens are, Ravens, <laughs> Ravens are <laughs> always contenders. So I actually don't know if they can really crawl out of this hole. Uh, because even if they do, this is not going to be a, you know, especially with how good, you know, some of the teams are in, in our boy Derek's division. Wildcard berth is going to be increasingly difficult if the season continues to pan out this way. Uh, for a third place team in the division, so I, I honestly I don't think they can really escape with what I'm seeing right now. Uh, I'll I'll leave it to either one of you, whoever wants to to talk about that. Derek, I'll let you go first on this one. I have two words for you to fix two different teams. Jordan Love. You send Jordan Love to the Steelers. They start over. Rookie quarterback, well, quarterback has never played before. And the Packers get to keep A-Rod. He's happy. The Packers keep going on. They win the Super Bowl, win seven more, who knows, with him uh, at quarterback. Um, the Steelers have a lost season. Um, Najee Harris is going to, uh, I don't want to say waste, but waste a bunch of, of football downs. Um, getting himself hurt and the Steelers are, are not going to win anything. And just in my mind, cause I mean, you have the Browns in that division, the Bengals look better. The Ravens are always there. So I think the Steelers are going to be the fourth place team in this division. And you only have so many years with a good running back. So shelve Najee trade for Jordan love and try something else spicy take i um i don't know i mean do you do you not think that uh that uh good old mason rudolph can i mean i think haskins is still technically third on the depth chart i think rudolph is is the backup right is that do i understand the sealers yeah technically rudolph is the backup they had said when uh, big ben had the pec injury that if he was unable to play that rudolph would start which i mean at least yeah and playing the browns so OSU knows how to how to get paid. So Oklahoma State players, they go, they get drafted in the NFL, and they know how to 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 get their money that they don't probably deserve. I mean, um, there is there are several great Oklahoma State players that uh, from my alma mater. Uh, yeah, Mason Rudolph is not the future of the Steelers, and when he got drafted in the third round. Um, Everyone knew it. So, I love my Cowboys, but he's not the face of, of the Steelers in the future. Uh, what, what are your thoughts, Caleb? Do you, do you think that the Steelers can fix this, or do you feel like maybe just – I know it's still early in the season. It's only three games in. But do you feel like the writing is on the wall to a certain extent, or they're, they're trending in a way that might not be easily recovered from? I'm going to go ahead and say that I think that this is – an unsolvable situation i think that we currently have a recipe that just doesn't add up correctly and i think that the three parts of that recipe are 
dysfunctional offensive line, uh, Big Ben himself, and uh, offense coordinator Matt Canada not being good at his job. Uh, <laughs> it's just this trifecta of really bad things happening for the Steelers offense. Uh, I've, I've looked it up because it is available, but based off of uh, the NFL providing it on the next-gen stats, of Ben Roethlisberger's 58 pass attempts on Sunday, which the fact that he had 58 is insane, 17 of those were thrown behind the line of scrimmage. They are not able to get a running game going with Najee, so what did they do? They just threw a whole bunch of passes to him. It's not like these are like, oh, this is my checkdown option because everyone's covered. It's, hey, we need to get the ball into Najee's hands because he's probably the most talented player on the offense, especially when Deontay Johnson was out this past week. But if your offensive line can't get a push, you're in trouble. I think that maybe we should have realized more of the writing was on the wall when David DeCastro, like, was cut slash retired. I don't remember him retiring. There was rumors he was going to retire like before the season started. And we know that they don't have Pouncey. Like they were not as aggressive in their O-line rebuild as the Chiefs or the Raiders were. I think that both of those teams are at least in a little bit better spot than the Steelers. I also think when Big Ben has been at his best, he's had protection he chucks it deep. He's not throwing it deep. He's throwing these short passes. I think he's throwing the short passes because that's what his coaches want for. Yeah. And it's it's a bad combination of him not really being equipped. He's not that, oh, let me make a quick move in the pocket and then do a quick little toss to the running back. That's not who Big Ben is. Um, I feel like in some ways, his game is what we saw from Joe Flacco three or four years ago, where it's just kind of move past him, not the, hey, we're going to stand in the shotgun and throw it 40 yards every play. And time has passed him. It, it just has. It's weird how you know we see a lot of these quarterbacks you know, falling by the wayside, falling by the wayside. Here's the immortal Tom Brady making, you know, it looks like he looks like he's 34, 33 out there. Uh, let's let's go ahead and let's round off the power rankings. Let's talk about our basement tier. These are the bottom teams uh, coming in at 25. We have the Chicago Bears, 26 Houston Texans, 27 Atlanta Falcons, 28 Indianapolis Colts, 29 Detroit Lions, 30 New York Giants, 31 New York Gents, and 32 at the bottom, the Jacksonville Jaguars. So pretty consistent uh, basement tier, uh, I think. I mean, the the Bears have started to slip back into kind of what we were uh, not necessarily expecting, but to a certain extent, like we, we expected there to be some, some issues. But the rest of the teams aren't too big of a surprise. But what has surprised me a bit is that of all of these teams that are in the basement tier, and specifically the winless teams, the Detroit Lions, honestly, <laughs> you feel like they don't deserve it, right? They don't deserve to be winless. They've been playing well. Uh, you look at you know teams like the Giants, like the Jets, like the Jags, 
uh, and even to a certain extent, the Colts, there have been games where they felt like completely out of it. The Lions have competed, even if maybe the roster is a little bit too threadbare in certain points for them to compete as well as they've liked. Uh, I, I mean, it definitely seems like the effort is there, the intention is there, and that they're trending in a positive direction. I mean, they lost, you know, to a team we have currently at number nine, you know, on the back of the longest field goal in NFL history, but that was preceded by a very uh, unlucky and unfortunate uncalled delay of game penalty that should have set the Ravens back. Um, I mean, their three losses, the Lions' three losses, are to teams that we have seventh, ninth, and tenth on our power rankings, and they're combined six and three. Now, considering the schedule that the Lions have, the division that they play in, the fact that the Vikings are starting to trend in a more positive direction, the Packers have seemingly, uh, you know, at least put the Saints game in distant memory. Uh, do you see the Lions escaping the basement? I'm not saying they're going to win a ton of games, but do you see a stretch where maybe they're going to be able to string something together and escape the basement tier of our power rankings this season? Uh, Derek, we'll actually go ahead and, and go to you first on this one. Uh, what do you feel? Do you feel like they're going to maybe get to 24, 23, 22, uh, potentially higher? Or do you think that 25 and below is where they stay? So my dad is from Michigan, and so I grew up watching a lot of Lions games um, just because he chose a team, basically. And uh, so I, I've followed along with the the struggles, let's call them the struggles, of what the Lions have, uh, have had. So to get the Lions out of the basement here, someone else has to drop into the basement here. And I don't know if... Um, you're going to have the teams that are that are in the what are the wavering tier that we we call it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're going to have t- teams fall from the wavering tier into the basement tier, or the Lions to make such a run that they're going to get uh, up there where they need to be. Um, I, I think that they will be like the top of the basement tier. They they could be, and they're going to win the miscongeniality every week. Um, but the prettiest girl in the the worst prom dress unfortunately ouch uh any any thoughts caleb do you think that i mean they're in your division so you're gonna you know and you saw them at least once and you used to mean they were competitive in the first half uh of that game and before i feel like there was just a just a quality difference that really allowed the packers to distance themselves in the second half so do you think the lions can escape the basement god it sounds like they're like at the mercy of some sort of serial killer, and they're locked in the basement. <laughs> and and that would be Jared Goff. I'm just kidding. Um, so I like the fight that Dan Campbell's team has. He said that they were going to, you know, bite some kneecaps, and I really think he doesn't care about half the things he says to the media, uh, especially when he talked about his coffee order and how it has like ten shots of espresso in mm-hmm. it. Like he just. He's real. He's authentic. He's who he is in the media to who he is to the players in the locker room. And I do see the shift in culture. I mean, they were down 16 to seven to the Ravens in the fourth quarter. They, they could have given up 
we were down a ton to the 49ers. They came back and had a chance to tie that game late, forcing a turnover when they had already gotten back within eight points. This is a Lions team that's feisty. And I don't know the last time I've said the Lions were feisty. I think they need to have a couple of things go their way, but I think their best chance is to win the next two. They've got, and it's tough because they're both road games. Uh, you, they have to win at Chicago and at Minnesota. And I think that they definitely have a chance against the Bears. I mean, the Bears looked horrible on Sunday. Matt Nagy is at risk of losing his job any day. And, I mean, he said that they might start Dalton, Foles, or Fields. So like, <laughs> as if it's a, hey, All don't three. guess what quarterback we're going to play because, you know, if I use this one... It's really, really good. You'll be surprised, uh, except you, none of them are really, really good. They're all just kind of acceptable. Why not just and, have all three of them on the field at the same time? You know, just some weird trifecta. I mean, you can at least use Fields as a running back. I don't know what you're doing with Foles and Dalton on the field at the same time. Philly special. <laughs> call it the, uh, call it the, I don't know, like the two statue. <laughs> Their mobility. <laughs> I mean, if they did the Philly special, you might at least get the ball in Allen Robinson's hands for one play. So, uh, it I, I don't know how Bears put up less yards of offense than Justin Tucker's field goal was to win the game, but they did, and the Browns made them look horrible. I think nice, that I had nice. read that Fields had less than a second to throw, and uh, the Bears' offensive line is yet continuing to be garbage. Part of that is the Browns have a really good defensive line. The other part of it is the Bears still don't have an offensive line. So I think they have to full, find a way to pull that upset, and they have to find a way to beat the Vikings. And let's face it, sometimes the Vikings find a way to beat themselves. So I'm not going to say that I think that they will. I think that it is less likely. If I was going to put a number on it between 1 and 10, I'm probably going with like a 3 out of 10 that they get out of the basement this year. I don't think that it's great odds, but I think that it... I mean it's football you <laughs> crazier things have happened than the Lions escaping the basement this year but after that stretch they have a lot of tough games and if you don't go to two and three here and you're like one in seven uh you know after some tougher opponents later on the schedule it's really tough to fix that record to get out of the basement no I, I think that's absolutely fair um, I mean, I look at their games in October uh, and then heading into uh, their bye week and then coming back. And they, you can say they, they travel to the Bears, the Vikings, host the Bengals, travel Rams, host the Eagles. And then after bye week, uh, they're going on a trip to Pittsburgh. I mean, if you look at that, especially considering that we're still not 100% sure what is happening with the Bengals, they're just playing better than expected. You know how much of it's sustainable. Uh, they shouldn't be double-digit, you know, uh, dogs in any game other than the Rams. And uh, some of these, you know, spread. I, I guarantee you, a lot of these spreads are going to be, you know, less than a like basically gonna be a possession. So especially with how you know, like you said, feisty. I think is a really good word to use. It's unexpected and uh, impressive that they're showing this much fight and this much gall. 
especially with a team that is historically such a dire franchise and has such a defeatist attitude. Uh, I, I think this is something that, you know, at least the fa- it's not really a, a moral victory, right? It's not something like, oh, you know, we're 0-3, but at least, hey, we're the, we're the feistiest team in the NFL. There's no sub- you know, substance there. But at least fans can know that despite how, you know, weak the roster is in relative to the rest of the NFL, and the team is trying its hardest and putting forth as much effort as you would expect a team that it has winning aspirations to do, I think they actually do escape the basement. And I think it is in the month of October. Uh, I fully expect, uh, I'm going to, I mean, when we get to our our picks later this week, surprise, surprise, I think the Lions beat the Bears. Uh, and I, depending on how things go, I wouldn't be surprised uh, if they're able to get some business done against the Vikings and then having that two-game winning streak, two and three, I don't think I can put a two and three team in our basement tier. Uh, you know, I and in reality, right, if things aren't, you know, uh, as concrete with the Bengals being better as we think. What if this team is three and three, right? What if this team is three and three heading into that showdown at the Rams uh, where we get the, you know, do we see the revenge of Jared Goff? No, we don't. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But it's going to be an exciting game, uh, I think, you know, storyline-wise, nonetheless. Uh, Well, that is our Power Rankings 1 through 32. Uh, If you liked what you heard, please let us know on Twitter. Um, You can find our Twitter account uh, all on our link tree in addition with, you know, our Facebook and all of the various podcast podcast platforms to listen to us, uh, links to our merch. Uh, So L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Brody Talk. Uh, please let us know if you agree or disagree with any of your favorite or preferred team's positions, or even if you think, you know, hey, you guys ranked the Broncos way too low, or, you know, how come the Chiefs are still, you know, in the top 15 at one and two, whatever your thoughts are, definitely let us know. We appreciate any and all input and hate because it's Caleb's job to filter through that, not mine and Derek's. So we don't care. (laughs) Uh, Well, on behalf of the guys, uh, we are concluding another Brody Sports Talk NFL Power Rankings episode. Uh, Tune in for some Thursday night football uh, coming your way on our next episode. Have a good one, everybody. Bye, guys.